podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Again, you are listening to the Manifesting God podcast. I am your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth. We are on every Monday at 7 p.m. Thank you so much for joining me on today. I want you to get over real quick to Proverbs 13. Today, we are going to talk about deferred hope. Deferred hope. We're going to Proverbs 13. 13, Proverbs 13, but I want to level set you real quick. And for that, you don't have to go there, but for that, I just want you to listen to this one verse and this one verse in Romans five and 10, it says, for if, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I'm telling you the ending. I'm telling you the ending. If we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So being reconciled to God, we shall be saved by his life. Now we're going to Proverbs 13 and we are at verse 12. And verse 12 simply says this in the King James Version. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But, 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 and I like, I like it when the scriptures, when I see a but, because it tells me, although something is going to occur because of a result, because of an experience, but there is a remedy. There is a remedy. When dreams, when dreams, it tells us come true at last, there is a life and joy. And if I'm not in the King James Version, then I'm in the New International Version. I just realized that. So hope deferred makes the heart sick. But but when dreams come true at last, there is a life and joy. Remember, we're talking about hope deferred, but we can't talk about hope being deferred without understanding what makes a heart sick. What makes a heart sick? So we're talking about deferred hope, but we have to talk about healing the sick heart, healing the sick heart. Verse 13 and Proverbs, thir- uh, Proverbs 13 says, despise God's word and find yourself in trouble. Obey it and succeed. Now, it seems like a a simple phrase, a simple line, a simple sentence, but we all know the process of execution can be a little bit more difficult, difficult than we think it should be, especially, especially when you're in the middle, when you're right 
in the middle of the experience, when you're right in the middle of the feeling, when the emotion of the situation has taken you over because of a despising of God's word, obedience may not always be the first thing that comes to mind. It just might not always be the very first thing that comes to mind. But here's something that I want to go. Wait a minute. Let me, before I go there, let me stay right here. Verse 14 says, the advice of a wise man refreshes like water from a mountain spring. Those accepting it, they become aware of the pit falls on ahead. Verse 15 says, a man with good sense is appreciated. A treacherous man, however, must walk a rocky road, a rocky road. And I'm going to pause right there at those verses. And I'm going to, I'm going to speak to you a little bit about uh, what, uh, how to heal that sick heart, because we, we've already read in, um, in verse 12, that hope deferred, it makes the heart sick. However, when the dreams, when they come true at last, when they manifest at last, when they un fold at last. There is life and joy. And see, I got to tell you something about verse 13. It tells us if you read this scripture consecutively, it tells us, okay, well, but what makes the dreams come true? What, what makes the dreams come true that brings that life and that brings that joy. But when you go to verse 13, it says, well, if you despise God's word and find yourself in trouble, how about you obey it? And then you'll succeed. Then your dreams will succeed that are in verse 12. Then your dreams will begin to unfold. That is in verse 12. Then your dreams will begin to manifest that which is in verse 12. Then there will be life. Then there will be joy. There won't be trouble. There'll be life and there'll be joy. Okay, well, where do I, how do I come to a place where I understand God's words? How do I get to that place where I get out of trouble when I, where, how do I get to that place of obedience? Well, it tells us in verse 14, well, the advice of a wise man, find the advice of that wise man because it will, it will refresh refresh you. It will refresh you as water from a mountain spring. And how will it refresh me? How does that happen? Well, I have to accept it. Those accepting it, they become aware of the pitfalls. They become aware of the pitfalls. Now read it opposite. The advice of a wise man refreshes me like water from mountain spring. And if I accept it, I will become prepared. I will become aware of the pitfalls that lie ahead. How can I recognize the pitfalls? Well, if I read God's word and if I obey them, if I obey those words, I have now been enlightened that that indeed was a pitfall because my obedience to God's word has helped me to obey, has helped me to avoid 
avoid the pitfall. Therefore, now hope is no longer deferred. My heart is no longer sick. Why? Because my dreams, because I have, I have avoided the pitfalls because I have read God's word and I obeyed it. Now my dreams are can manifest. Now there can be life. And now there can be joy. There can be joy. Now, one scripture that stands out to me there is that I need to obey God's word. I first need to I first need to to know God's word when I find myself in trouble. And then I need to obey God's word to be able to succeed. So this tells me one thing, a sick heart. A sick heart, one that is faced with hope that seems inaccessible, that seems out of reach. It tells me here that that sick heart, they may lack understanding. They may lack understanding. See, as a leader, we we are we are given the ability to give the people of God a full understanding. That means that there should be no vagueness. There should be no, 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 at no point, um, a misunderstanding that cannot be cleared up when it comes to the word of God. So, so rhyming catchphrases and suggestions don't give the people of God and understanding. We need the entire word of God in order to gain an understanding. We must have an entire understanding of the word of God. We cannot give people half of the scriptures and not proceed to give them the rest. Second Chronicles um, uh, chapter seven, verse 14. I'm going to give you an example here. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then then that's like that. But then, then that's a prerequisite. That's a qualification. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. We hear that scripture a lot. We hear it throughout the course. I would say with at least in a month's time, you're going to hear that scripture at least once, at least once. However, if we put it in proper context. And if we go to examine the entire text, the entire context in which this scripture is derived, we look at Second uh, Chronicles 7 and 12, right? I'm giving you context. I'm expanding the picture so that and painting it for you so that you can fully understand what it means. As a leader, I have an ability to do that. As the people of God, once we get an understanding, we have an ability to share and broaden one's understanding by putting the scripture in proper context. Verse 12 says, and the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. His prayer that he's referring to is the prayer in chapter six, where Solomon was dedicating the house of God. Once Solomon had completed building the house of God, God said to him and had chosen in uh, this place to myself 
for an house of sacrifice. So I've heard your prayer, Solomon, after you build my house, according to my instructions, according to and using the, the tools that have been delivered to you, the supplies that have been delivered to you that your father, David, had arranged for you to have. After you have followed my instructions, I and you've prayed to me and committed this place to me. I, God, Solomon, have chosen this place unto myself as a house of sacrifice because I've heard your prayer. So, so then after Solomon built the dwelling place for God, second Chronicles and five, after Solomon secured the altar, second Chronicles and five, after Solomon established the song of the Lord, again, second Chronicles five, after Solomon recognized the covenant of the Lord, and he literally was able to regurgitate that back to God from his understanding. That is when he prayed the word and the promises of God before and over the people of God, Second Chronicles 6, after, 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 after the prerequisites, after he had done that, then God said, then God said, verse 13, if I shut up the heaven, there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, no matter God is saying what I'm doing or why I've done it, because Solomon, when he prayed to him in the process of dedicating the temple, Solomon had talked to God about the people. He talked to God about the sin that may come from the people. He talked to God about future events. God, if this happens, please do this. God, if that happens, please do this. So God is saying to him, okay, if I shut up the heavens and there be no rains, this is God's response to him. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. No, so no matter what I do or why I've done it, or if I send pestilence among my people because of what they've done now, now, he says in verse 14, however, if, if is the however, if my people, which are called by my name, shall do these things, if you will humble yourself, if you will pray, if you will seek my face, and if you will turn from your wicked way, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive the sin, and I will heal the land. So when you get humble, then I will hear you. When you pray, then I will forgive you. When you turn, then I will heal you. That's good to know right there. That's good to know in proper context right there. That's good to know. Why is that good to know? Because the Bible tells us in comparison that Jesus is sitting at the right hand at the Father and he is interceding for us daily. So then that same prayer that Solomon had prayed to God, Jesus in turn is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's praying that same prayer for me and for you and for you and for you today. He's praying it for you today. So it's good to know that even if God says I have to shut up the rain in punishment, or even if I have to command the locusts to devour the land, not the people, the land. If I have to send the pestilence to harass and annoy my people, even in that, if they humble themselves, if they pray, if they seek my face, if they turn 
turn from their wicked ways. Then, then, then I'm going to hear from heaven, God says, and I'm going to forgive their sins and I'm going to even heal the land. I'm even going to heal the land that I sent the locusts to devour. That's good to know for a person that's just come out of sin. That's good to know for a person who's walking in guilt. That's good to know for a person who just got out of the bed of fornication, who just put down the drug pipe, who just put down the crack pipe, who just put that, who just walked away from adultery. You don't have to be condemned because the full context of this scripture says that even if I have devoured your land, even if I've taken away everything from you because of your disobedience, even if I've sent pestilence among you to devour and harass and and eat at your skin and 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 just gnaw at your life if you will just simply humble yourself then i'll hear you if you pray to me for forgiveness guess what i'll forgive you if you turn away if you walk the other direction away from the adultery away from the fornication away from the drugs away from the alcohol guess what i'm going to heal you that's good news because healing is waiting on you now that you understand in full context that there is absolutely nothing that you can do that God will not forgive if, if there's a part that you have to do. And a lot of times the, the sick heart doesn't understand the full context of the scriptures. So they don't understand that there's a part for them to do so that God can do his part. So they're waiting and they're thinking that God has abandoned them. And they're thinking that God has left them never to return because they don't understand that if they humble themselves, that God will hear them. If they pray, then God will forgive them. If they turn away from that sin, then God will indeed heal them. And can I tell you, when God forgives you, he cast that sea into the, he cast that sin into the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. He will not hold that against you. He will not hold you, hold that against you. He's not a human being. See, human beings, they will hold it against you. Human beings, they will remember. They will remember and they won't trust you like they used to. But God says, oh, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal you. If you pray, I'm going to forgive you. If you humble yourself, I'm going to hear you. I'm going to hear you. That is good news. So my heart is made glad because I am clear on what God requires of me because I understand the full context of the scripture. And I am and God. And I'm clear that once God is made happy. Once God's needs have been met out of his abundance, out of the abundance, he will supply a portion of his dwelling, his altar, his song, his covenant back to me, back to me. My expectations are clear. As long as I have a dwelling place for God, he will have a dwelling place for me. I can hope in that 
full understanding now. It is not deferred any longer. My heart is now made joyful. You see, leaders, while we may focus on the out word appearance of man and women and judge their relationship with God. We're simply going by what we see. God is telling us in this scripture, he's not going by what he sees. He's going by your humbleness, your willingness to pray and your willingness to turn. See, God told Samuel in Samuel 1, 16 and 7, when Samuel thought Eliab, Jesse's son, was the chosen one. He told him, listen, I'm not looking at the outward appearance. I'm looking, I'm looking at the very thing that you have rejected. So what you have rejected as a human being, that's what God has accepted. And what is that? God is looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. I'm looking for the heart that is not sick because of deferred hope in me, but is well because it comprehends him, because it understands him. He's looking for the heart that even though issues will come, even though mistakes will come, he's looking for the person that has the understanding, the understanding. And so for leaders, you're held accountable when you give part of the understanding. You must give the entire understanding, the entire understanding. Paint the picture, if you will, so that the listener is clear on what God is expecting from them. Another point here, the sick heart, it establishes its own righteousness because its belief system is corrupted. Why is this belief system corrupted? Because it doesn't understand. Go to Romans 10. Verse one, it says there as an example, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. This is Paul talking for I bear them record that they have zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. See, excitement and, and running for the things of God, that is very good. But if you don't understand what you are gravitating towards, what you are gripping, the enemy can slip anything in your grip. He can slip anything in your grip because you don't have knowledge of what you're actually holding or what you're actually chasing after. You just have zeal. You have excitement. You have, you want it because everybody else wanted for whatever reason, but you don't have knowledge of what the thing you're running after can actually do in your life with the thing you're running after, how it can actually change your life. Verse three says, in Romans 10, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now that right there is black and white. If you are not seeking the righteousness of God, then you are indeed establishing are establishing your own righteousness. It's one or the other. Are you running? Are you after uh, understanding of God and God's righteousness, God's right standing, or 
are you seeking your own righteousness? Is it about establishing yourself as the right standing one rather than understanding God's righteousness, right standing one? Is it about you? Is it about you? See, because God don't hear prayers that are all about you. Not with Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That tells me that I should be seated in my heavenly seat at the right hand of the Father interceding for others. Like Jesus is interceding for me. Jesus got my back. I need to pray for others. It's about others. I'm following the example of Jesus. Verse four says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth." So establishing our own righteousness is being established in the flesh. That is of the law. That is of the law. And it says in verse five that Moses already described righteousness, which is of the law. Moses already did that, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. So if you're going to establish your own righteousness, then that's what you're going to live by. But if you're going to walk in the understanding, if you desire the wisdom of God, the understanding of God, and to walk in the righteousness of God, then that's what you're going to walk on. You have to choose. I say it almost every podcast. You're always going to have to choose. You have to choose. And these are not choices that are, some choices are not choices that are one time only dependent on your spiritual warfare. You're going to keep making the choices over and over again. You might have to keep making the choices over and over again until you get strong and you get stronger little by little. So you don't have to make that choice any longer. It's a given. It's a given. That thing has become a part of you. So you don't have to feel bad to my new babies that you got to keep making the decision to walk away from adultery, to walk away from fornication, to walk away from drug and alcohol every single day. You don't have to feel guilty because guess what? Eventually that thing is going to get inside of you and you will not have to resist any longer because it won't be a thing to you. I often say, that it took Jesus three days to resurrect. So I believe that a change can happen in a matter of three days. There's a there's readings out there that say it takes 30 days, 90 days, some say 60 days to make a permanent change. I say it takes three. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. And in three days, that whole thing will turn around. It becomes a thing. It becomes who you are. It becomes a part of you to the point where when the opposing thing that was a part of you presents itself, you have no interest in that. You have absolutely no interest in that because you've already made a decision and that decision has become a part of your mindset. And because it has become a part of your mindset, it has become a part of your heart. And because it becomes a part of your heart, it now becomes a part of your actions. It is what flows out of you. It is what governs you and guides you. Verse six says in Romans 10, but the righteousness, which is of faith, speaketh on this wise. It say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above or who shall descend into the deep. That is to bring Christ uh, again from the dead. But what saith that the word, the word is nigh even to thy mouth and to thy heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. You can't preach. You can't speak about what you do not know. 
Your language, it gives you away. It tells on you. Your actions, they give you away. They tell on you. When your language is contrary, when it opposes your actions, they tell on you. They tell on each other. They must align. The proof is in your confession. Verse 9 says it like this, that if thou shalt confess, Confess with thy mouth that the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, that thou shalt be saved. See, it's a heart issue. What is in it is what is preached. What is in it is what is spoken. Why? For with the heart, verse 10 says, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, you confess what you believe unto salvation. What is your salvation? What is your salvation? That's the question that you have to ask yourself. How do you ask yourself that question? Examine your own words. Put your own words to the test. Put your own words to the test. Put it to the test. Then you will know. Then you will know where you stand. It's okay to measure yourself. Where are you at? You need to examine yourself. Where are you at? Because sometimes your words give you away. At the end of the day, I think about everything I've said. And so in most days, I don't talk a whole lot, but I think about everything that I've said and think about what I've said to other people. What do I need to go back and fix? What did I mess up? Because I didn't, I didn't mean, I didn't, I, I think about, so you have to remember something. When you're talking, the interpretation of what you said is up to the listener. It's up to the listener. It's not, it's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon the listener's frame of mind. And sometimes we just shoot off at the mouth and not even realize because we're so into us that we don't pay attention that the other person may have some things going on and they may be feeling some kind of way. They may be dealing with some issues, but because we're so focused on us, we just throw out words, never giving consideration to the state of the mind, state of mind of the person in whom we're speaking to. We must give consideration to others. And when we're speaking, we must make sure that we are being absolutely clear, especially when we're speaking to the things of God. We must make sure that we're speaking those things and proper context and that we're speaking the entire picture so that person can walk away with a full understanding. Here's another one for you. And this one is referencing Proverbs 13 and 14. And remember Proverbs 13 and 14, it was saying the advice of a wise man refreshes like water from a mountain spring. Those accepting it become aware of the pitfalls ahead. And this particular um, scripture, it's referencing that particular verse. And when I read that verse, I thought of a sick heart. It's not usually aware of the pitfalls. It's usually ignorant. It's not aware of the pitfalls. So it falls right in. See, let's go to, let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis two. And I want to show you something here because you fall right into when we don't 
fully understand the scriptures, when we don't fully understand what God is saying, it's hard for us to obey it because we don't fully understand what God is requiring of us to obey. Hence, we fall right into the pitfalls that the enemy sets before us. Genesis 2, it says, and 15, it says, and the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it up and keep it. Verse 16, and the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. Verse 17, but the tree of knowledge and of good and evil, thou shall not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And 18 says, and the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be, that he should be alone. So I'm going to make a help meet for him. Verse nine says that, and out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what Adam would call them. And Adam, whatsoever he called the living creature, that was their name. Verse 20 says, and he gave name to all the cattle, the fowl, the beast of the field, but there was still not a help meet found for him. So God in verse 21, put him to sleep. He put him to sleep and he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh. And with that rib, he made a woman and he bought that woman. Verse 22 says unto Adam. And he said, Adam said, guess what? I I, I think this is going to be bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, flesh. And I'm going to call her woman since she was taken out of me. Therefore, the scripture says, verse 24, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked and the man and his wife, they were not ashamed. Genesis 3 and 3 says, now the serpent. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast and his subtlety of the field, which the Lord God made. Okay. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat every tree of the garden. Now, remember, we're talking about the serpent here. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. She said in verse three, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die, lest ye die. Now, when I thought about, when I looked at that scripture and it says, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden and eaten to dress it and keep it. And then I go down here and she's talking to the serpent, the subtle serpent. He knows the field. He knows everything that's in there. He knows how he knows his territory. And he, she said, he says, she says to him, but the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, God says, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye shall die. And I want to go right back up again here. I'm just going to go back up real quick to um, Proverbs. And I'm going to look at that verse again, verse 15. And it says, and a man with good sense is appreciated. A treacherous man must walk a rocky road. And I'm going back. Back to Genesis, I'm going back down and I'm looking again at Eve and she's talking to the serpent and she says to him after he tells her that she should not eat of the um, fruit in the garden. And um, let me see, you shall not, and the woman said unto the serpent, we're going to eat it. We're allowed to eat it. But she said, "Ye, um, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. You shall not eat of it. 
neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said, ye shall not surely die. Remember now, we're talking about falling into pitfalls. We're talking about the sick heart. It can fall into a pitfall. And Satan here, he is capitalizing on the words of God. Remember, it's God's word that do not return void. The serpent goal, the serpent's goal was, and it's always is, it always was, it was, and it always is, is to twist the understanding to get you to sin. The servant will always attempt to twist the word of God to yield a result of sin as a means of putting distance between the believer and God. Anything, he's going to do anything. Because remember, this is about the serpent. This is about the serpent in his subtlety. He's going to do anything to get God not to be able to look at his creation. Neither the, 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 neither shall you touch it. That phrase, neither shall you touch it, is not under attack. See, a lot of times when we focus on this scripture, we focus on the fact that she added that in there, that neither shall you touch it. But that's not what, the, what Satan attacked. He attacked God's words. He didn't attack the neither shall you touch it. See, Eve's understanding is what he was attacking was Eve's understanding, right? To not touch. Think about this now. To not touch is going to keep her in obedience. To touch means to possibly eat and which will remove her from her stance of obedience. To touch it would mean to remove her from her stance of obedience. What Eve didn't understand in her ignorance, which she did not understand, was the definition of die. It hadn't happened before. She didn't understand that die was a spiritual death, not necessarily a natural death. She didn't understand that term. She didn't understand that. She didn't understand a spiritual death versus a natural death because it had it had not happened before. See, Okay, let me let me put it to you like this. When I when I saw that scripture, the first thing that came to my mind is, okay, if something is not good for me, and I want you to think about this, if something is not good for me, if if going down um rocky road, the road is called rocky. If if going down rocky road is not good for me, then I'm going to stay away from uh, let me see, Highway 95, because Rocky Road is off of Highway 95. But I know I'm not strong enough to not turn off onto Rocky Road. Therefore, I don't even go on road. I don't even go on Route 95 because I can't go on Route 95 because I need I can't go on Route 95 because I'm not strong enough yet to go to not turn off Rocky Road turn off onto Rocky Road. So I decide that I'm going to stay completely away from 95 altogether. That is my do not touch it. Just stay completely away. It is like the kind of, let me give you another example. It is like going to work every day and there are people at work that no matter what, you know, you just, you don't vibe. You just don't get along. You don't mix. No matter what you say, you, you, you can give that person a kind word. They always give you a nasty word. They just don't like you. So what do you do? You just stay away from that person. 
You just stay away from that person. That's my do not touch. Um, I, I'm a snacker. I like, I love, um, I love salt and sweet. So I am big on, and my girlfriend is listening. She's going to remember this. We were big on as kids getting Intamin's chocolate chip cookies and Lay's ruffled potato chips because the Lay's ruffled potato chips had the salt and the um, chocolate chip cookies had the sweet. And guess what? I would add something my father taught me, which would be to go get the um, the cheese, a slice of cheddar cheese that added the creaminess. And the two, all three of those together Jesus, that was a good combination. So because I love that combination, because I love that snack, that salt, that sweet, guess what? When I go to the market, I don't buy any of that. Why? Because if it's in my house, I'm going to eat it. So I don't buy it. That's my do not touch it. Satan here, he did not attack her do not touch. What he attacked was his was the word that God gave her. What he attacked was the word that God gave her when he said in verse 17, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, when you go down to... Um, to um, let me see what Satan said. I got to go back to that verse in Genesis. Um, where was I? Genesis two, the verse where Satan starts to speak. Look, fall upon Adam, and they were both naked. Now the serpent, no, not that one. Yea, God have said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden. Let me see. Um, now the serpent said, okay, not that one. Let me go down. Um, um, and the serpent said to the woman, ye shall not surely die. Ye shall not surely die. Whose words did he attack? He attacked God's words because God said, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, thou shall not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, God said, thou shalt surely die. What did the serpent attack? Ye, he said to her, thou shall not surely die. He attacked the words that God said. He didn't attack the words that see that she said. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. He's attacking God's word. His job is to twist and turn the word of God so that he could lead, so that he could lead her into a place of sin. Because if she's in a place of sin, then God cannot look upon sin. She has now put herself at a disadvantage. She has put herself, she has put herself in, in a, a distance. She has established now a distance between her and God. That's what he's attacking. That is what he still attacks today. <clears throat> he still attacks today God's word. See, it's God's word that does not return back null and void. It's God's word. Satan is always going to attack God's word. Eve's issue was Eve didn't understand death. She didn't understand the word die. She hadn't experienced that yet. She didn't understand that a difference between not, not that it would have made a difference, but she didn't understand the disconnect of a spiritual death. She didn't understand that that would disconnect her from God. She didn't understand that. She didn't understand that. He's attacking God's word. This is a perfect example of deception by the deceiver. 
a perfect example. Do you get that? Do you get that? He is attacking. I'm going to say it again. Satan is attacking God's words. He told her, ye shall not surely die. God told her, ye shall surely die. He did not say, God didn't say you shall not touch it. God didn't say that. He don't care about that. Why? Because that's like building a fence around the thing that you shouldn't touch. He doesn't care about that. He cares about you being in direct disobedient to what God has said, to what God has said. Do we understand that now? Do we understand that now? Satan comes for the word of God. He comes for the word of God. Those are the words, God's word, they establish us. It's God's word that turned us from darkness to light. It's God's word that infiltrate our mind and reorchestrate our thoughts and changes our thinking. It's God's word that integrates itself into the very core muscles, core, core muscles of our heart and causes it to beat in sync with God. This is what Satan fights against. This is what God, what Satan fights against. Verse five says, for God doth know and the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Okay. We have another issue. They had not yet experienced evil. She didn't even realize when she was taking a bite of the fruit and giving it to her husband that they were now in a place of ignorance and they had indeed fallen into a pit because the heart was ignorant. It did not. She did not know. She hadn't experienced that yet. Adam hadn't experienced that yet. He wasn't able to impart that understanding unto us. See, because Satan was able to deceive, we now have an entire creation of Christians that are open to deception and leadership who are open to deceiving simply by not finishing a sentence, simply by not showing the entire paragraph. Okay, when you have the mic, you have to be able to expose the entire truth of the requirements, the prerequisites of God. What is God requiring of us? You cannot tell the part of the scripture leaders that's going to benefit you. People, when you read the scriptures, people, when you read the scriptures, because you can't blame it all on your leaders. So stop it. Stop it. Some of you done dropped everything and ran out. And said, I knew my leader. No, you stop it. Stop right there. People, when you read the scripture, you have to read it for an understanding, not just God's promises, but read the part that tells you what you have to do. Read the part that tells you you have to be obedient to his word. Read that part. Read the part that tell you you don't have you can't lie. You can't steal. You can't fornicate. You can't commit adultery. You can't be walking around in a drunkard state. Read that part. Read the whole scripture. Swallow the whole scroll. Swallow the whole thing. It'll be sweet in your mouth. It might be bitter in your tummy, but it's going to be sweet in your mouth. See, we can no longer avoid the parts of the scripture that are inconvenient to the flesh because then we just walk, allow the flesh to walk us right over to a pit and drop us in and drop us in. See, it's hard. I know it's hard. It can be hard to perform it. You must practice it. 
You must practice it. Just like you practice, why do people want to give God less than they give the world? Just like you practice the things that you have to do in the world, just like you take the time to gain an understanding about the things you have to do in the world, apply that same effort to the same to the things of God. Apply that same discipline that you give to your job when it's time to learn a new skill. Apply that when it's time to learn a new thing of God. Apply that same discipline. Apply that same discipline. Apply that same discipline to eating whatever food you want to eat. Apply that same discipline to learning the word of God and eating that food. How about that? Apply the same. Don't give the world more than you give God. Don't give the world the better part and give God what's left over. Don't do that to God. Don't do that to God and then get mad at God when you don't have everything that you think you're supposed to have. When you didn't fulfill the part of the scripture that you were supposed to fulfill. God's waiting. God is waiting on you to do your part and you waiting on God to do his part. If the scripture, if it requires that you eat or touch it in order to not simply die, then, then, then do that. If, it, if touching it will kill you, then don't touch it. Then don't touch it. If if going this way or that way is going to harm you or put you in harm's way or put you in a predicament that you don't know if you're strong enough to walk away from, then don't touch it. Then don't touch it. It's real simple. It is real simple. It's, it's real simple. See, because if you don't, then you're now you're leading yourself into the blame game. Now you're at the blame game. You're at that part in Genesis 3 and 12 where Adam and Eve were basically starting to blame each other. And the funny thing that the funny thing is they're they're so busy. Everybody's blaming Adam blames Eve. Eve blames so everybody's blaming everybody. Everybody's blaming everybody. So we have the leader blaming the people, and then the people are blaming. I was too busy doing this, that, and the other in the world, and then the world is blaming the people, and then the people are blaming the leader. Now the leader is turning, looking at God, saying, "You didn't explain it to me." So we just everybody's blaming. Nobody wants to take responsibility. Nobody want to take responsibility for the pit that they fell in or that they pushed others into. See, because a sick heart, a sick heart is a heart that doesn't understand. If you don't understand, now there's opportunity for a pit to be built right around you and you'll walk, Satan will build a pit right around you and you'll walk right into it. You'll walk right into it. And then there's a result. Verse 15, 14 says, and the Lord God said to the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of their lives. I don't know if you know this about, about serpents, snakes. I don't know if you know this about them, but they can't give birth. They do, they, 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 they do not give birth, nor do they lay eggs. A snake can remove the eggs through the mouth when vomiting. That's how other snakes are born. It may steal eggs. It may steal the eggs from another snake or another animal species by swallowing it. So when you think of a snake as a metaphor of a human being, I think of when I carried my daughter, right? The first thing the doctor told me was, no more sleeping on your stomach. I always slept on my stomach. He said, just in case, she said, just in case you can't sleep on your stomach any longer, you, you have to lay, you have to sleep on your back or you have to sleep on your side. The benefits of that will come as the baby begins to grow. So what human being 
after misleading human being. Now we're on the human beings after misleading the people of God. God turns you over on your belly. God can turn you over on your belly. You shall eat dust all the days of your life. You don't want to share the truth. You don't want to give the people of God the entire context. You don't want to give the people of God a full understanding. God turns you over on your belly. What does that mean? You will not birth. You cannot birth. You cannot birth. And guess what? The only way you can birth like the snake did, like the serpent did, is to steal the eggs of another. That's the only way you'll be able to birth. That's the only way you'll be able to birth is to steal from another and consume it like the serpent did, like the snake did, swallow it. That's the only way you'll be able to birth is to steal from another and literally consume it, literally consume it. See, people of God, leaders, leaders of God, we have to watch. Open your eyes and pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to the dark places. Pay attention to the pulpits that have a pit that that's in front of them. That's 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 separating them from the people. The word the word that they give is not fully able to be understood and comprehend by the people. That would be a leader that has been turned over on their belly. That would be a leader that can't birth. That would be a leader that only bursts by stealing from another and consuming what they stolen to make it appear as if they birthed something in God. But it's still a snake. But it's still a snake, people of God. It's still a snake. You can't produce. You can't produce. All you're good for, all you're good for is manipulating the people of God and building pits around them for them to fall into. Anything to separate them from God. Come on, I'm telling you about the evidence of a sick heart. The evidence of a sick heart. A sick heart only knows pitfalls because they don't have a knowledge of God to be able to avoid a pitfall. And then he says in verse 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise its heel, meaning no relationship. A leader that will not, a speaker that will not expose the full truths of God and demand and demand out of the people of God uh, an, an understanding, uh, uh, a focus to at least be able to comprehend an understanding so that you understand what God requires of you as a leader that doesn't understand relationship. See, because God here told Satan, I'm going to put, told the serpent, the snake, that I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman between thy seed and her seed, meaning you can't have relationship. There's no relationship. That leader doesn't understand relationship. That person doesn't understand relationship because why? Their heart, their heart, their, their hope has been deferred. So their heart is sick. And because they don't have an understanding and because they don't have an understanding, they can't obey the word of God. And because they can't obey the word of God, they cannot comprehend. Um, they can't comprehend the word of God. So they fall into a pit. They are separate. From God, they can't comprehend a relationship. And the verse sixteen says, "Unto the woman, I will greatly multiply their sorrow, thy sorrow, and thy conception in sorrow, when thou shalt bring forth children." But he did not say she can't bring forth children. You might have sorrow; it might be painful to get to the understanding. It might be painful to manifest the understanding, but you will birth it. You will birth the understanding. Don't run from your suffering. 
Don't run from the hard place of comprehension. Don't run from it because if you run from it, you're going to run right into a pit. Your ignorance is going to lead you straight into a pit. And see, now what happened was in that time, because of their disobedience, God told them in verse 19, in the sweat of thy face, thou shalt eat bread till thou return to the ground for out of it was thou taken for dust thou art and dust thou shalt return. So now what is he telling them when he says in the sweat of thy face? Now you got to work for it. So don't tell me that there's not a requirement to the promise. When you're reading the promises of God, look for the if, look for the but, because God God is telling you what I require of you in order to fulfill the promise that I have for you. Because now he's telling us, I put in place a work for it now. I've given my promises freely upon creation, but see now I need, now I see God is saying that I have to insert an if into humanity so that you contribute. That way you will know that you understand and I will know that you understand. You will know what you are asking for because you will do what God is required. You will read his word and you will obey it because you want the dreams, the, the what God has given you. You want it to manifest and you want to have that joy. You want to have that joy. See, because this is a there was only one other time after this where God made a promise to creation that required no input. And that was his promise to, promise to Abraham when he swore by his own son. He swore by his own self that he would do and he would provide for generations to come, land to come, land, land upon land upon land, precept upon precept, promise upon promise that he would provide in Genesis 22 and 16. when he said and and said, by myself, I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thine only son, because Abraham was willing to give God his son, sacrifice his son. He swore by his own self of his provision for generation upon generation upon generation. So in summary, leaders, I'm talking to you. Verse 14, how then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? Romans 10 says, and how shall they believe on them of who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You are charged to distribute the entire word of God the entire word of God. Help You are to help the people. I'm charging you. You are to make sure that the people of God, that you expose them to the truths of God. Otherwise, you are the one that are creating in them a deferred hope, a sick heart. And there may be people today that you minister to today that have that sick heart because they don't understand the full word of God. They have fallen into pitfalls due to a lack of understanding. They have fallen due to a lack of understanding, but it's your job to make their calling sure. Verse 15 says, and how shall they preach except they be set as it, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. See, you're bringing glad tidings of good things and people, verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report, verse 17. He says, so faith, faith is going to come by hearing 
and hearing is going to come by the word of God. But I say, had they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the end of the world. See, because if you explain it to me, then I understand it. What I understand, I share on the air and everyone now has an understanding. The one word that I heard and received the understanding. Now, they, now you are here and you all receive an understanding. There is a way and it does seem right. It does seem right unto man, but ultimately it's going to lead to death and destruction. It may seem right to just skip around and get pieces and portions out of context. It may seem right, but not only are you leading yourself to destruction, but you're leading the people of God to destruction. That's a no. We all have a responsibility when it comes to delivering the word of God, that we deliver it so that those that hear it will have a well being of heart, a well being of heart. Why? Because the Bible tells us that out of the heart flows our actions. That's where our actions come. So we have to protect it out of it, out of the heart's abundance comes our speech, comes our faith, comes what we believe in order to assure that hope is not delayed, in order to make sure that hope is not deferred. We have to indeed walk in the full promises of God. No more sitting back waiting for unfulfilled prayers because we don't understand what God is asking of us, but yet we're demanding of God that he do his part. No more of that. It's going to require a heart check. The heart check is to assure, is simply to assure that our hearts are beating in alignment with God's heart. It's just simply to assure that our heart is beating in alignment with God's heart. This lady and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this, this, this alone, the full truth of God's word is how we heal a sick heart. No more deferred hope. No more deferred hope. And as long as we understand God's word and we obey it, Long as we understand God's word and we obey it, the rest of the scripture in chapter 13 of Proverbs is dependent upon us understanding God's word and obeying it. And it's dependent upon the men and the women of God being wise in their distribution of the word of God and their recollection in their teaching of the word of God to be able to refresh us. See, because if we understand the word of God, then we'll understand how to think ahead, think ahead as in verse 16. We'll understand how what, what reliable communication looks like verse 17. We'll understand in verse 18. We'll understand and be able to accept criticism. We'll understand in verse 19 that how to plan and how to and how to watch that plan develop. We'll understand the plans of God. We'll understand in verse 20 that we should stay close to wisdom. We'll understand in verse 21 that blessings are our portion. We'll understand in verse 22 the place that the law of God plays in our life and we will understand the place that the laws of the land 
play in our life. We won't get the two mixed up and we won't be giving the world what we should be giving God and we won't be giving God what we should be giving the world. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking about deferred hope and healing the sick heart. Today, today, I admonish you to read through the scriptures. Send me your questions. Go to my website, www.marieelizabeth.org. Feel free, send me questions if you don't understand, and I will map out the full text for you so that you can fully understand what God is saying to you. Because God desires at this point in time that you no longer walk in hope deferred. He wants, he, he is willing, and he promises to expedite, to expedite that which has been delayed that which has been delayed but it requires of you that you walk in the fullness of the word of god in the fullness of the word of god let's pray god in the name of jesus we thank you today god for our life we thank you for our health and our strength we thank you oh god for your mercy and your grace we thank you for how you bought us how you kept us how you taught us through every situation and circumstance god we thank you that nothing nothing has been wasted oh god and i pull and i and i speak to those that may be stuck in an experience that they have had in the past i speak to your mind now and and, and i speak to your mind that you may begin to comprehend what is the will and the purpose of god in your life, that you will be able to take that lesson and that you'll be able to move forward and begin to walk in the promises of God and begin to move away from a hope deferred into a hope that's manifested. That you'll begin to move away from a plan that has been planned for years into a plan that's manifested. That you'll begin to move into a promise that has been delayed into a promise that is now manifested. The will of the Lord be upon your life today. The will of the Lord be upon your in your mind and be manifested and that your mind will matriculate into the promises of God and that you will begin to comprehend what is his purpose for you and be comp comprehend, begin to comprehend what he would have for you to do what he would have for you to say, what it is that he has assigned to your hands, what his will and purpose is for you, for you, for you, for you. Understanding the spirit of understanding, the Holy Spirit begin to teach you now. As you begin to read through the scriptures daily, the Holy Spirit begin to direct you now. I cover your ear gates with the blood of Jesus. I cover your mind with the blood of Jesus. I cover your will and your purpose with the blood of Jesus. Jesus, so that you now can begin to walk in, begin to walk in what is promised of God, so that you now can begin to understand and comprehend by the leading of the Holy Spirit, by the teaching of the Holy Spirit, who teaches us all things who teaches us all things. And as you begin to read and study throughout the week, I speak, declare to you that as you begin to listen to the minister, your leader on, on Sunday or when you gather, that he will begin to confirm for you that which the Holy Spirit has taught you and begin to give you greater understanding and greater enlightenment that you might know the hope of your calling that is in Christ Jesus so that you begin, can begin to walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called so that that you can comprehend that you live and that you breathe in Christ and that you can do all things that is in him every, uh, that, that because you live in him you breathe in him you breathe in him you breathe in Christ 
you breathe in Christ. I decree and declare that you will not forfeit any longer that which has been assigned to your hand. Your eyes are being opened now to clearly discern that which God has laid out before you as a work for you as what he has called you to do. The Holy Spirit will begin to teach you and guide you and lead you into all truth and right standing in Christ Jesus. The will of the Lord be upon you. The will of the Lord consume you now. Should you choose, should you choose, should you choose, should you choose, should you choose. And I command the kingdom of God to come and his will to be done in the earth as it is in heaven as it is in heaven i speak your will throughout the earth throughout the countries throughout the nations i speak your will and your purpose and your guidance to the men and the women of god i speak i speak advisors spiritual advisors with that could confirm the word of god in the people of god and advise them of the direction and be able to give them wisdom and what god is saying the people of god the wisdom of god the true apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists stand up now and begin and begin and begin and begin to share the wisdom of God, the knowledge and understanding of God. And I speak to the people of God. They begin to comprehend, comprehend what is God. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, name I pray. I thank you so much for joining me on this evening and I will see you on next Monday at 7 p.m. Come on and I want you to be able to put your praise reports in there. Come on, write me. Tell me what God is. Tell me what God is doing in your life. Tell me how this podcast is blessing you. Should you wish to listen to a replay, come back to Facebook or you can go to Podbean and you can listen there. Go to iHeartRadio, go to Pandora, I'm there, go to iTunes, I'm there. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for supporting this podcast. May God increase you the more. May God increase you the more. Thank you so much for joining me on this evening. Have a good evening. I know you've been taking so much time, but what I've been thinking of, bring the music down for one quick second. I know you've been pointing out the negative, but I want to tell you right now that you're surviving. You're surviving. If you can hear my voice, you are surviving. Life may not be what you want it to be. There might be tears in your eyes, but they that so many tears shall also bring them joy. Join us.